Hi, I'm Peter, and you're listening to Defining Boundaries. Welcome back to Season 2. I hope that you enjoyed the past year of conversations from amazing people from around the world within our geospatial community. This year, I look forward to many more conversations, and I hope that you join me on my journey, surveying the world one story at a time. Head over to my Patreon site if you'd like to support the show. You can make a donation towards the purchase and upgrading of equipment, website subscription, and file hosting. If you'd like to join me to have a chat, or you have someone in particular from the industry that you'd like to hear about, send me a message. You'll find the link in the show notes or in my bio on all social media and my website, petercox.com. So if you're ready, let's go. Grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy our chat. Defining Boundaries with Peter Cox. So this one has been a long time in organising due to the busy nature of my friend, the one and only geospatial marketer, Elaine Ball. She is a hard woman to hold down for more than five minutes at a time. (laughs) Born in the cathedral city of Wakefield, known for its corn, coal and textiles, Elaine spent time growing up in Scotland and Singapore. Known best for her marketing and Get Kids Into Survey initiatives, Elaine has carved a niche within the geospatial industry. With a surveyor dad, who was a hydrographic and mining surveyor, come inventor, he introduced the Ball family to the world of surveying, scanning, and a life of overachieving. An animal lover, she wanted to be a horse rider growing up, not quite where she, not quite where she is now, but on her little farm, she has sheep, chickens, and dogs, while the horses are not too far away from her. Besides farm life, Elaine loves a good challenge, competing in triathlons, So take it from me, she is completely crazy. (laughs) Probably why we get along so well. In her own words, she is one part marketer, one part biz development, one part strategic thinker, and one part superhero. Welcome, Elaine. Thank you for joining me today. (laughs) Thank you very much for having me. How's that for an intro? (laughs) I'm like, oh, this girl sounds awesome. (laughs) Who, you or me? Both of us. Both of us, darling. I know. I know. Um, I'm, I'm just going to, like, apologise to the listeners right now because um, we're so freaking crazy <laughs> and I have yeah. no idea where this is going to take us today. <laughs> well, I think we've been on already half an hour and been chatting all sorts yes. of things. Yes. <laughs> I'm yes. doing a lot of laughter. Lot of laughing. That is the main thing. <laughs> it is. It is. We love life. We love each other. <laughs> It's good. It's very good. Despite us being thousands of miles away. I know. Kindred (laughs) souls. Kindred souls, definitely. (laughs) Hello, listeners. Hello. Welcome. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'm going to try and just be a little bit serious. Okay. So uh, let's go back to where you're from. Where I started. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I don't really like to say the Wakefield where I was born. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God. I was just like, I've never, I didn't live there. So um, I think I maybe was down for, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know that sort of side, but we sort of grew up in Scotland and dad went up with the oil and gas um, in the, he starts off there in about the seventies. And then um, they moved up 70, when was I born? I was born 78. They moved up 76. With the oil and gas. that much older than you. (laughs) 
So yeah, so they moved up 76 and my dad was in, it was all seismic. So he did a lot of seismic survey um, and he had a company and I remember the name oil field, oil field hydrographic, hydrographic projects limited. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's a mouthful. (laughs) Yeah. So it was a big old business and he sold it out and uh, they did loads of, they mainly did lots of the, the seismic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he sold it off and kept the R and T, the R and D arm, um, which was turned into measurement devices. Yeah, yeah. So we were there with the oil and gas, and then um, I schooled there. And then we got dad decided to move the business, his own business. So yeah. he sold that company and set up MDL, and then that was eighty three, and then moved us over to Singapore. So um, that was a complete shift from being in a, on a farm with like two hundred sheep and fifty odd Aberdeen Angus cattle. And, um, that's, a ma- that's a massive difference going from there to Singapore. Singapore, I know. Wow. I mean, I I loved it because I got into the show jumping team, so I was on the junior show jumping team, mm. and they publicised everything out there. I was like, "Holy shit, this is awesome!" So I was on <laughs> telly like half a dozen times. But Singapore, oh, famous, famous. <laughs> so yeah, so that's where it, we sort of like when my schooling started, and then. We came back to, the, to England and uh, we should have Wait, actually... How long, how long were you in Singapore for? Eight, I think it was about 18 months. Oh, okay. Not I too really long. Remember. I was young. I was young. It wasn't too long. Yeah. But what, what happened, there was a big crash of the, whatever had happened. And dad actually said we should have gone to Houston in Texas. Uh. So there was actually an office in Houston, an office in Singapore. So mm-hmm. dad, actually, we went to Singapore, which was just amazing. I mean, talk about out of your comfort zone. My poor Budget. mother didn't like it, but um, <laughs> it was a complete completely different change um but we should have gone to Houston um but we didn't so um and then I came we came back and um I we, we were at this little place called Beedale in North Yorkshire and I got my horsey my horse and hound magazine and this little leaflet fell out my magazine it said take your horse to school I was like dad dad I really want to go here and he's like oh god for some bizarre reason law of attraction or what I end up getting a scholarship to go to a school in Yorkshire and me and the horse boarded. Oh my God. That would just be heaven. It was amazing. Oh. It was amazing. You bored your horse at school. <laughs> it was amazing. And my dad says, oh, you could have got the academic scholarship. Well, I got the horsey one. <laughs> I didn't get the academic one. <laughs> Who needs academics? No. So, no, my dad never, to be fair, my parents never were never pushy with academic at all because mm-hmm. my dad came from nothing and, you know, he left school early and all this sort of stuff. And it wasn't until he was later age, the same as me, going back to university yeah. and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to go to school straight away, do you? No. Or college no. or university or. Yeah. Whatever the hell you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. You just got to do what you like. See, I was never good at school. I was quite, they tested me for dyslexia at school. Um, but I remember getting, I went into this room and they had, I can't remember if it was a sheet of, I think it was a sheet of paper with lo- loads of items and stuff on it. And um, that's a bit blurred for some reason, but they said, right, you've got three minutes to memorize all these items, about a hundred items on the, on the sheet. Oh. And it was all part of the dyslexic test and all this sort of stuff. I just wasn't good at reading and I wasn't good at spelling. I'm still crap at spelling now. So I'm like, I keep, my colleagues keep going, you're like, go back onto your LinkedIn profile because you've got a spelling mistake. I was like, oh, bloody hell. Okay. Okay. I've got a copyright now. That helped me with that. But um, yeah, so there was this sheet of paper and it had all these things on it and they gave me three minutes and they took it away. And then she came, she says, right, can you tell me what was on that paper? And I did every single one, a hundred out of a hundred. 
no way i'm very visual so it was so easy I'm like, i just memorized all the different ones and i went through it all yeah it was just like you're not dyslexic <laughs> <laughs> so i think i was just an excuse because i just didn't like reading and writing in english so i wanted to ride my horse are you good at maths no art <laughs> art very good at art and very oh. ended up business studies and biology i was really good at biology weird Mm. I was very good at art. Yeah, I was very good at art. I All the family that. did at art, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Gosh. So you finished school. Did you go all the way through? No. So I finished school, came back. Um, then what did I do then? So I was at boarding school then for sixth form and came home. What did I do then? Oh, yeah. And then um, I wanted to train. I just wanted to work with horses because I'd done the my um training for to be an instructor which just the curriculum they had for the scholarship so I did all that sort of jazz and did loads of eventing that's when I started eventing at 17 16 17 I think it was yeah okay absolutely loved it mm-hmm. and um came home and then I thought well I really want to do horses and my dad's like oh my god <laughs> so he's like well you've got to get it out of your blinging system so I actually got a job working with the bars in Gloucester and I think that was Oh no, it was before that. So ah, dad shipped me off to the States, to Texas. Yes. So I went to stay on the food yes. ranch in Texas. That's right. I remember that. That would have been and, so um, cool. It was amazing. Well, actually trying to ri- drive on the other opposite side of the road, the wrong side of the road, <laughs> you Americans, the wrong side. Oh, um, see, I get in trouble for that because I say it's the wrong side and they go, no, we drive on the right side of the road. Uh, <laughs> you go, oh, oh fuck off. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Absolutely. <laughs> so I went there and um, so I was on a nice little ranch and I was the heavy girl um, because it was a racing yard and they used to put me on the young race, two-year-old racing horses, which um, <sighs> was interesting. It was quite cruel, really, but it was interesting, a whole different world. And we had two quarter horses, which I totally fell in love with. Um, but we used to train the horses there and I was buzzing. I did, that was when Princess Diana died. That's when I was out there. 90, was that 97? It was 97, wasn't it? Something yeah, like that. That was about right, yeah. So I remember being really upset. Anyways, um, came back from the States. I, I was out there, I don't know, a few months out there towards Christmas. Then I got a job working with the bars in Gloucester. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I didn't know, I, my dad was never pushy. He just says, you'll find your way. You'll find a way. So I went and I still had the horses stuff in my head and I was like right so I zoomed down to got a, the sleeper train from Aberdeen to Gloucester and I went to work for the bars for a week and it was a 6 a.m start and a 9 p.m finish it was for six days oh. of the week yeah oh. this was what 45 pound a week Jesus. was the was the salary and I was what uh, 18 18 something like that and I was just, I loved it. And it was, God, it was hard. But I was so determined. I was like, right. I went into their tack room. I cleaned all their tack. I made sure all the horses had amazing, like groomed. And I was just so determined to give a good impression. And when I was in the States, I, they had a young um, colt that they'd actually serviced the mother, the mare, and the stallion had actually landed on top of the colt's back and bust its hip. Mm. And so it was called Buck. And, um, they said, oh, well, you can have this little guy to nurture. He was a right character, but he had a really lot of fun. He had no muscle on one side. And I did loads of work with him and I did a project and I put it into a nice little case study. And, and I remember showing them this and they were right oity-toity. They had no money. They had all the money was in their horses. I mean, these horses yeah, yeah. were like 200 grand a piece. And um, it's crazy, crazy money, crazy mm-hmm. money. And um, the, 
they, what did they do then? They, yeah, so I gave her, I was so proud of this. And they said, oh, we'd like to offer you the job for 45 pounds a week. You get a house. So that all the grooms got a house. There was three of us. Um, there's no heating in the house. There was no heating. It was freezing. Oh good. <laughs> and I didn't have to cook. I was so bad. They gave me like loads of um, potatoes and carrots. I'm like, what do I do with these? <laughs> I went to boarding school. I should know what to do with this. I should have known how to cook. I didn't know how to cook. Jesus. Um, and she poo-pooed my, what I'd done with the horse. And she started correcting it in red pen. And I'd, I'd put born, um, born, whatever he was born in the horse. And it, it, they say fold, they fold, not oh, yes, born. Yeah. Yep. And I got in trouble for that. She's like, you should know better. I'm like, I'm 18 years old for Christ's sake. So I came away and it was really funny because I just wanted my money back. My ticket was 75 pounds from Aberdeen to Gloucester Return. So they ended up paying it because I was so upset about this whole scenario. And I just thought, I, yeah, I don't want to do that. And I think that's what my dad's purpose was to get it out of my yeah. system. Yeah. Um, so I went back. Funny, and, it's a funny little world, isn't it? It's a funny little world. And dad says to me, right, I want you to go. I don't, you need to go to do something. So I went to Pittman's college and learned to do shorthand typing. And I could almost do a hundred words a minute typing. I don't think I can do that now. It's probably about 50, 60 words a minute with using all your fingers <laughs> and toes. Um, <laughs> um, so I went and did that and I just got a grounding and then I just started doing reception work for all the oil companies and working in different companies. Mm-hmm. So, mm. nuts. It's so... So young. Yeah. You kind yeah, of Yeah, I just it it was it, thinking about it then I thought I was because I was the oldest child as well. I always felt yeah. like I had the head, always you know, I was the mature one. I'm like going back to you. <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre, really bizarre. And you know, even when I was later on when I became managing director at the age of 27 my dad's business it was just like I just thought I was you know I was grown up I had to I had to be the grown-up one all the time <laughs> so how long did you do all of the you know being a secretary kind of thing before you I remember I, I remember so my dad's business was growing then they, were, they had about yeah. 20 staff at the time and yeah. um they were we were always international so they were probably 90 percent export then we were always about 90 95 percent export we never mm-hmm. really worked in the mm-hmm. uk even though we were a british business um and dad's company was quite an interesting setup um which i'll come to when i tell you about renishaw and stuff but um uh we the, he hired a lady called michelle dimmock who was awesome she was scary as hell so if she ever listens to this she was scary as hell i was scared <laughs> death of her and she says that's says, all oh, there's a job for you if you want the job but you're gonna have to get an interview my dad never he never gave me anything he never he yeah. never gave me a rise or a you know bone you have to work your ass off to get it was really quite mean <laughs> dad if you're listening to this you were mean <laughs> so um but it was Horrible good grounding yeah well, it's it was not it's mean. it's really it's 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 kind of built you to who you are and how you yeah. work now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But Michelle, she interviewed me and she says, don't think I'm just going to give you the job because you're the boss's daughter. I was like, ooh, okay. <laughs> and then she interviewed a couple of people, um, you know, so, and I got, well, I got the job and I just wanted to do everything. And she's like, nope. And I was like, can I write that press release? Nope, you can't. You've got to do that filing. Like it was really hard. She was tough. She was, she was tough. But she was very, very thorough, and I 
got to learn a lot. Of, I was very grounded with her because I'm very yeah, yeah. sort of like, Wee, let's go over here and let's go there. No, really? <laughs> <laughs> and she was very much like, um, no, you stick to this and you do this well. So I think yeah. that's where I've got that from. I, I'm yeah, very yeah. sort of like, I've, if I've got the bit between my teeth, I'm off. Like with the academy, the Jesus Bishop Academy, I'm like, right, that's it. That's, that's my goal. I've got to get to that goal no matter what it gets in my way. So, yeah. Yeah. So going from your dad's business, you kind of grew quite quickly in yeah. what you so, were sort of doing. I, I, kind of, I, I kind of know the story. I just don't want to say it all. Like, yeah. So, I, um, so starting with that, then I went and traveled around Australia for quite a bit hmm. and came back and dad says, well, go – there's actually Robert Gordon University is amazing university in Aberdeen and um, they had a management program running and part-time and I was then 21 so I was a mature student so I actually applied for it and got in and I didn't I didn't finish my A-levels never finished my A-levels so I didn't have any um, background but because I'd been working in industry they were like well actually we'll go on that and I gave them references and stuff like that so they took on credit on that and it was a brilliant degree so I did that part-time for four years and got on really well with the instructors and the lecturers whatever and then and then just worked my way up and dad made me work in every department I love production and I loved um uh doing the service and support side because I like doing stuff with my hands yeah that was really good and um and um sorry, <laughs> do you see my hand there going like that <laughs> so, who, who are you shooing away it was Ben. he's just put the dogs in the <laughs> way so if they start barking you know what's happening um so good <laughs> yeah where was I trying to thought of being lost there where was I I can't even remember your dad put you through the different the different oh. areas <laughs> yeah that's right and I love the production and service because I was with my hands and I remember yeah. doing something like 30 meter cable I had to get paint off a 30 meter cable and um oh and then oh, that was so goddamn boring but I did it I did the whole I had to be right and stuff like that um yeah that was really good and I think I lasted dad put me in accounts and that was the most boringest subject oh. in the I mean <laughs> anybody who's an accountant I mean Sarah who runs my books she's just amazing but mm-hmm. she loves it she loves the figures and I'm like oh my god so boring <laughs> seriously I've got a friend too who does books and all that kind of stuff and she'll sit there and we'll talk about something and she'll go oh blah 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 blah, and listen she'll run off all these numbers and I'm going yeah that's that's, so much fun (laughs) yeah just I think it's the monotonous side of things but like I mean I'm now with my business the P&L is like I am just I I'm a hawkeye on it I'm like and we get a P&L every quarter and I'm like right how can we be lean how can we be lean and what can we shred that's not going to affect the growth you know what do we need to do so I'm really like and that and and like prospecting and figures I'm like right sales stuff fine but when you have to do boring accounts in like oh oh. (laughs) um, yeah so I think I last about a day in that but um yeah so dad made me work in every department and then uh when how old was I you were young I was young I was Mm. really young became marketing director I love the marketing stuff so anything to do with Mark so all our sales team were surveyors um but there were sales guys so they all had yep. they all were qualified surveyors um all around the world and um then we had um they were we were taught them sales because you can teach people sales um they don't have to be outgoing and we had some very laid back horizontal surveyors who didn't 
didn't <laughs> weren't very sort of chatty, but they knew their shit. Yeah. I mean, Anthony, really? Sent, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we sent Anthony to Magadan down a salt mine. You know, we started freaking out know. because three weeks he was underground, never told us where he was. And we started freaking out thinking he'd die <laughs> underground somewhere. And he was doing his survey job selling cows, you know, the cavity scanner. So it was just like, he's like, what's wrong with you all? <laughs> you need to stay where you are so you're alive. So we know you're not dead. <laughs> surveyors are a bit of a weird bunch <laughs> oh, I love it oh uh, you haven't met my dad yet Jesus no uh, no so yeah so and then I 2000 was it 2007 when the recession hit I dad says to me well we were in a board meeting we had about uh, quite a few board of directors by then so we were mm. quite a, quite a strong yeah, business decent yeah and yeah and he sort of said well, I stupidly said that I was in my comfort zone. I love working in marketing and sales and my dealing with the, you know, the customers. I loved all that. Mm-hmm. He says, right, you're in your comfort zone, you're coming out. I was like, what do you mean I'm coming out? He says, right, you're going to be a joint managing director with me. Well, of course, the recession hit. Uh, mining side crashed first, then yeah. the um, oil and gas side. Yep. And um, I was like, oh, great. And he even made me move out of my office into the boardroom. <laughs> And I didn't want to bastard, do that. isn't he? <laughs> Tough. And I, I was not, I didn't even pay for the money. <laughs> I, I don't know if I want to meet you, Dad, actually. <laughs> he was mean. He was he was very, very strict and very, very like, but he said to me, you'll either sink or swim me lane. So what are you gonna do? Well, it's, I'm not freaking thinking. Sorry. Hey, I'm not yeah, thinking. it's not a it's not a not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, but I had, um, I was, I'm quite a soft, I was quite a soft person and I had a lot of belief patterns, underlying belief patterns that were a pain. Mm -hmm. And, um, I went off to the Institute of Directors and did my Institute of Directors diploma, which was amazing. That in itself was just crazy. Um, all picked on me. I was the youngest and one of the only females in the group of 16 directors. And the guy beside me was the HR director from BBC. He was hopeless. (laughs) absolutely bloody hopeless I was just like you have no idea how to run your business and I was just like and they were asking me questions on how to run a company and I was just like this is just weird I was 27 I was just like weird how do I know more than you guys when you guys are in your 40s and 50s and 60s you know it was just weird but then what happened was um I was I work I did quite a lot of networking then because I thought I had to get out the family bubble I had to get out of being in this bubble and not knowing anything else except from what my dad was teaching me and the peers around me which Mm -hmm. was also amazing and I was big into reading books the staff used to laugh the blinging head off because I'd go on a course and come back and purchase 40 books and start handing out these books the energy bus what was the name (laughs) um when I was in Australia that's a whole other whole story but top Topcon's dealer, the main dealer in Melbourne, Position Partners. Um, yeah. What's she called now? Bloody hell, what's she called? She was the owner. Um, oh my God, I can't remember her name. I don't know. She was, I can't remember her name now. I'll have to look it up. Um, she, she had got, she was awesome. I loved her. And um, she oh, had said she to me. Was she the owner of you? She was of- the owner. Her and her husband were the owner before they sold it. Um, I have to look it up on LinkedIn. Um, she's on my LinkedIn. God, how embarrassing is that? She's out of it now. She's out of the industry. But um, and she recommended the Energy Bus book, and I remember this. And I bought forty books, and I'm going around. I'm like, don't be a bad apple on my bus. Don't be on the wrong seat on my bus. <laughs> so, so 
so this way it all started and I, and I, and I had um, a bad experience with the board, some of the board members, um, one particular who will stay nameless, he was quite a sniper and he used to pull me down quite a bit in the board and uh, board meetings. And more so actually when we were, we were dealing with the management team. So we were two tiered. We had, um, I had a management team who were also d- directors. And then under that, I had a junior management team. because I was very conscious of making sure they were following in the footsteps yes. of the senior manager so, so they could learn the ropes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was very yeah. much, and that, that was my dad's learning. And I thought, right, I need to do the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I also hired loads more women. So <laughs> I just kept hiring more women. Uh, so it was a complete mixture, which Heck. the guys loved anyways. So, so that was that. But I was very much, I couldn't handle this particular person. Anyways, um, I found myself an NLP master practitioner. Never heard of neuro-linguistic programming before. Um, Mm -hmm. Absolutely amazing. Um, So I went and did some coaching or whatever you want to call it with this lady, Sonia Saxton, who's based in Harrogate. Absolutely amazing. She's completely crazy, but she's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, she's just very... Some people would call it woo-woo, but she's she knows her shit. Um, I was, because I had these underlying patterns, I had a very high judge and jury belief. So I was very yep. critical on myself and I could yep. be quite critical on others. Mm-hmm. That was from my dad, definitely, because he was very critical. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had a very high need of approval, which was my mom's side, the belief pattern that I'd, I'd found, mm-hmm. or I'd subconsciously had. So mm-hmm. I was desperate to be liked desperate to be like wanted and desperate to do well desperate and I just thought this is a problem this will be a problem and I had to sort it out anyway getting some sessions and bits and pieces over time and I think it was the moment where we had a meeting management meeting load of us around the table and I remember Russell who was awesome our production manager young guy brilliant really really good he sat beside me and I remember this guy, this director shot me down on something. Can't remember what it was exactly. And I said something back to him, which I would have never done before. Oh, yeah. And even, I mean, the listeners can't hear this, can't see this. Hold on a minute. Let me just get the bag off the dog. <laughs> Sat on the bag. Um, so, and I remember, I remember, I can't remember what I said to him, but I, I, he said something and I shot him down. I, I just said something back. He didn't say anything then. And Russell's mouth, he was like, mm, mm, like jaw on floor. Jaw drop, yep. And after that, I had more respect from this particular guy. And I thought, shit. And I don't know if it was a bit of confidence in me then, but my confidence level went through the roof. Mm. I didn't get cocky with it. Um, I was very conscious of not being cocky. But <laughs> I thought, wow, okay. So Sonia was right on here. And, it, and then it just built from there on. Yeah, right. Mm. Uh, you've done so many different things like that though along the way of growth and yeah learning and you know I, I know some of the books that you've said you've got to read this and you've got to read that and this is so good and read this one and yeah that's well, it, it's important I think you know my piece of advice to anybody get a mentor get a mentor or a coach who's better than you who's seen more who's different to you to give you a different perspective on life and that's what I was very because I was conscious of being in this family bubble I was very much like I need to find out I need to get a different perspective on this but you also say get a mentor but not necessarily even in the same field that you're in right yeah right Yeah. yeah and I think we always talk about mentors 
um, within our industry. Yeah. And people, people look at that and have a mentor within the industry and stuff like that. But, you know, it does show that having someone external who sees things completely differently and, and stuff is, it works really well as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sue was my mentor. I had Sue accordingly for four years, three years, three and a bit years, probably of my MDL career. And she, I met with her for half a day, once a month. Um, and I could just download what was happening, what was yep. being said, how I handled board meetings. Um, and she was a learning professional. She was, her main background was learning. She worked she used to work for the banks in London and stuff like that. So really good. And it just gave me, she quizzed me, well, how would you handle it this way? And there was no, like, the, the, I was in a safe space and I could just download. Um, and at first I was very skeptical. I was very skeptical of like looking at that. And when I became managing director um, and I was in this, this business that was international, I was dealing with so many cultures, so many different people. And I was, I was like trying to hire people and I was really skeptical. So I'd hire marketeers, strategists, management people, but they were, I was very much like, and I just thought, no, go with it. For myself, I wasn't so bad because I knew that I, I knew what I knew and I, I wanted to improve that, but trying to get and improve the business in the right way to make sure it wasn't going to fail. I was very skeptical on outside hiring, but then I was like, but if I don't try it, I'll never know, will I? So, and that's when I sort of, I pushed through it. Cause, and this is one of the reasons why I started my company was because I was always trying to find and hire decent marketeers, salespeople, management gurus who could give me it. But I was always teaching them the, the that's the dog again. <laughs> the dog. Oh, is, that, is that our uh, puppy? Who's not a puppy? Bert, yes. Yes. Well, he's a year old now. He, um, he's just knocked over the fire hydrant. <laughs> oh, something doesn't go off. But sit down. So, um, yeah, so what happened, so what happened then? Um, I can't remember what it was now. I've been distracted. <laughs> Train of thought. Um, okay, so you basically were looking after your dad's company. Yeah. How long were you in there for? So from becoming managing director, yeah. So 2007, joined MD for I think it was about yeah, it was about a year, and then he came full MD and he became chairman. Uh-huh. And then we it was we were quite interesting company. So um, when Dad sold off OHP and took our started pushing MDL, he they had the, the Scottish government gave grants gave like a. Um, it was quite a weird startup business. So he got a grant to start it up and they had a load of shareholders. So the business we had, we were like 70, 80% owned by my father and then the rest owned by these shareholders. But over the years, they kept dying. So we kept getting the shares back. And and, um, (laughs) I know. And then you see, um, then we had... um, we were growing. So we were growing like crazy and we wanted, we had sort of a target to get to where we wanted and where we wanted to go and what we wanted. And by then we had Australia office, Canada office, uh, Houston office, um, and then two offices in the UK. So we were quite a decent sized business running all these different offices. 
And um, we wanted to grow and we wanted, we needed the money, we needed cash to grow. Yeah. Um, and we needed to raise a million pounds to buffer Ooh. the cash flow. Now, MDL was a very, very cash rich business. Yeah. But we still needed a good buffer to get to our big goal. And we thought yeah. if we're going to put in like decent stuff and blah, blah, blah. And our company secretary at the time, our lawyer, had actually said, um, why don't you contact some of your shareholders? Because every year you've been giving them a dividend check, you know, and these guys, some of these guys have been around since 83. Bert, get out of there. Sorry. Cut. So good. Keep going. <laughs> so, um... So, yeah, so we contacted all our shareholders mm -hmm. and um, we had, um, there's a couple and I'd love to mention it actually, but I have been told don't mention it because they're, so we had some very, very high profile um, hotelier people, can't really mention any names particularly, um, and then a film a, a family business who run a very particular, very British film guy. Anyway, can't go into too much detail. There's a lot to talk about it. So um, we'll talk about we, that one off camera. Yeah, we'll talk about that <laughs> off camera, definitely. And if anybody wants to ask me in person, that's fine. Um, so we went from there and we contacted all our shareholders. Anyways, um, one of our shareholders was a guy called John Deere, not the tractor man. <laughs> John Deere was the deputy chairman of Renishaw PLC in England oh. um, and we were like who's this guy you know blah 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 so so um this was 2008 2009 2009 nine I can't remember now but anyway some some around that period anyways and from there we went um the, he actually phoned us up and he said oh we'd like to, we're interested I'm one of your shareholders I'd like to meet you would you like to come down and see us in um Bristol um, so we went to this lovely place called the Calcott Manor um, outside of Bristol. I can't even remember exactly where it is. Somewhere beautiful, amazing yeah. place. And uh, me and dad sat in there. We thought, blimey, this is really like plush, you know. And it was like, it was Bentleys outside and all. So we were like, wow. And we were sort of drinking, sipping on our gin and tonics. And um, we were like, okay, this is interesting. And the entire board of directors of Renishaw turned up. Like they're a FTSE oh. 250 company. Right, wow. they're huge. Yeah. They're a yeah. billion. They're worth a bill over a billion pounds, and they all turned up, and um, we were like, "Shit, wow!" And they just sort of said, "We want to buy you." <laughs> and my dad had not even thought about selling the business, hmm. and that's how that sort of started. And I just was like, "Wow, so this before, is amazing." So before we sort of go any further, you talk about MDL. But there's yeah. going to be people out there who don't know what it is. That's true. What the company true. was about. So I know. I know. Yeah. So MDL, Measurement Device Limited, uh -huh. was a manufacturer of laser measurement tools. Yes. So we provide, we produce tools for dirty environments, as we used to call cool. them. So mining, hydrography, oil and gas sort of stuff. Um, we invented, dad invented the cavity scanner, um, which was actually start off in Kalgoorlie Super Pit. Kalgoorlie Super Pit in Australia had a massive issue with detecting and finding where these voids were. And dad made a prototype for them. And um, they were like, shit, this, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> and it sort of grew legs. Yeah. And um, yeah of course. And then now, you know, it's, it's still going strong, which is great. Um, but it's the only thing in the, in the market. 
um, that could measure borehole deployable cavity scanner. Um, mm -hmm. So we had that. Then we had a we had collision avoidance systems. For um, we sold them to what they class as the DP market, dynamic positioning. So it's where you have um, a vessel coming up against another vessel or a vessel coming up against an oil rig and they have to offload and unload equipment, supplies, whatever. And you can imagine the sea's not flat. So no. um, and they call it, they don't want a love kiss from two hippos because you're dirty. <laughs> <laughs> so Dad used to always talk about this. So it used to control the thrusters on the vessel to move around. So if you type in Fanbeam was the the product, MDL Fanbeam into YouTube, there's quite a lot of, it shows you what Fanbeam is actually doing. Yeah. So we had a monopoly on the market. Yeah. Um, we were the king dicks when it came to that, um, that product. Um, and then we also had Quarryman. So Quarryman was um, an automated laser scanner, um, very basic. It measured the rock face geometry and then you used another product called bore track, um, which and you, it's hilarious when I see it today because bore tracking has become, you know, a term like Hoover for vacuuming. <laughs> really? <laughs> bore tracking and that measured the inclination, the deviation of the borehole. So then you'd have, you'd know exactly where, where the borehole went. And then you yep. knew what was in front of the rock face. So we sold this, these tools, as we called them, to blasting engineers. So they weren't surveyors, they were blasting engineers. Mm -hmm. And um, then the biggest problem they had was fly rock. So fly rock was all over. If you put in the wrong explosive, you had a disaster. So we, again, so we sold that, we did that. And then we came up with, um, in I think it was like late 90s, um, dad's got drawings of a mobile mapping system for quarries and measuring volumetric surveys in quarries and you know open cast and stuff so we had that which became dynascan and then we sold that off to trimble and it's now the trimble mx2 so um you know and like cool. times the price of it was when we sold it but anyway <laughs> they have a better oh, of course better, of course so um so yeah um and then we had we had all sorts we had um Laser Ace, which was a handheld um, little distance meter, but it did all sorts of bits and pieces. And we sold that. Again, we we, re we white labeled that to Trimble and it's part of the Geo7X series. Mm -hmm. Except from when my dad saw the launch, the Geo7X, he, he went crazy. He's like, you've left the bloody thing outside. So they're like the um, compass and bits and pieces all stuck outside. And, and so there was an <laughs> offset problem and all sorts of weird shit. So dad was like, no, you need to design it in it. Because my dad was very particular with the design, you know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. it had to be bigger, better and or smaller and better and all sorts of stuff. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, um. MDL, we sold to Renishaw um, yeah. in 2012, and then they sold um, it off. They sold parts of it off to Carlson Software now. So Carlson Software actually have the oh, cavity scanner. Yeah. Okay. So if you go back, you'll I didn't see. Know that. Yeah. So it's now blue instead of red. So they're all their branding is the is is blue, blue. But it still yeah. looks very similar to the the products that we had. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Very interesting. I mean, yeah. it's pretty pretty cool to know that you are part of that beginning of that scanning sort of side. Yeah. Stuff. I was going to say shit then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, was, it, was, it was really good, actually. I mean, we worked in the early days, we worked with Regal quite a bit. So yeah. um, they were great. And, you know, Daddy used to go over see Dr. Regal and stuff like that. And they got on really well. And, mm. um, yeah, so we had, like, we had loads of 
because they Regal's very similar to what MDL had. They're very similar sort of. Yes. I mean, we both went after scat, you know, quarry. But the thing is, with they're a completely different fish, I suppose. But they're um, we were more sort of tool, hand on tools, tools in the in the in the quarries. I remember one time, um, Leica. This is a really funny story, actually. Um, and I'd like to know the people, actually. But I remember Leica wanted to buy Quarrymen offers because they were trying to sell one of their total stations into. The, now this this retailed at about I think it was about. 18,000 pounds. I don't know what that is in Australians, what, 27, 28,000, something, something like that, a million, whatever. Um, but it was 18,000 pounds roughly. Very basic, you know, a um, uh, little scanner. And I remember Leica coming on, they wanted to buy it because they were trying to sell a 30,000 uh, pound scanner total station into the same market and they couldn't get anywhere nobody wanted it was too complicated and the IP rating was crap. I mean, you're in a dust zone, water zone. <laughs> You name it, it was like, so, um, yeah, so, and so they bought, they took it away thinking they were going to buy the product line and they came back and they didn't buy it in the end, which was good, but they were like, it's so simple. Uh, duh, yeah. Hey. (laughs) Blasting engineers do not need complexity. They need a tool that will sort out what's on that rock face so they know how much explosive to use Mm -hmm. and do the job quickly. Yeah. End of story. It does not need to have fancy buttons on it. sometimes simple is nice simple's great and that's why you know i push simplest and i know sometimes i get complicated with something like no what Mm -hmm. let's make it simple make it Mm -hmm. simple simple is better it is it is so the business got sold 2012 yeah what'd you do then well, they did offer me a job to run marketing for Renishaw in Hong Kong, but I was just like, I've got a really nice boyfriend. I've got loads of horses now. I can't move. <laughs> Look at the but boyfriend, the horses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. So um, and I was quite settled. Um, they wanted me to stay on at, at MDL, but I was just like, no, you know, it, I needed to leave the, the baby behind. I need to leave it as it was. Um, I was very sad about the whole thing I had a really good team my team were mega I mean you know it's it was such good days uh, you know and um so I decided I thought right and one of the issues I was always trying to find as I mentioned before was trying to find decent sales and marketing people who knew how to do the sales and marketing but also you know understand the the industry a little bit more you know what it's about what works in industry you know within g especially with anything to do with measurement really a survey and um so i thought sod it i'm going to start up elaine ball limited then it was elaine ball technical marketing because i wasn't quite sure which niche to focus on i'd worked in mining oil and gas i've never really worked in land survey direct it was mainly more the rugged tools yeah Uh, all the lingo is exactly the same because it's all survey related um, so I said, I thought, right. And I, so I thought technical marketing, and then I can figure out what I'm going to push. Well, I just started, I, I had two jobs at first. So I got the, the, my first job was with Trimble. So, um, I'm very good friends with Pete Large, who's the VP of construction now at Trimble. Um, and all, quite a lot of those guys, um, I'm very good mates with because we grew, all grew up together. I and mean, dad was one of the first yeah. ever, I think he was the first Trimble rep for the UK. Um, he did some, he did in the earlier days, he did some Trimble. I think it was called, it was part of Motorola. I don't know the story for it, I have to ask him, but there's sort of a lot of connection. So we, we knew a lot of the Trimble people in those early days. So as they grew up their ranks, I grew up my ranks and it was like, so they're just mates. You know? They're not, just, they're not yeah. VP of Trimble. You know? 
they're mates. Um, so I actually got chatting to Pete and I was just like, your dealers, because all their majority of the Trimble dealer network sold MDL equipment. So it was quite a good crossover with a lot of the stuff. Yeah. So I just said, you know, one of the things that we used to struggle with was actually them selling MDL equipment. And because we were so niche, it helped because being niche is a really good thing. Hint, hint. Really? <laughs> and what I teach people really? is become niche and niche down. So you're very focused. <laughs> So, um, yes, yeah, so, yeah, so I actually got a contract to look after their dealer network. So Pete flew me all around the world and I was delivering workshops. So I've made some amazing friends mm -hmm. all over the world, just visit, just parachuting into different offices. And it's amazing. It was amazing what I thought, my God, if I'd done this earlier, this would have been better. I mean, I was more focused now, of course. Um, so that that was one of my first roles. And then I also got a job measuring rocks on conveyor belts for whipwear terrible name um whipwear the palangios they're awesome family business up in, in north canada um so i went to go work with those guys that was a really really how did you like how did you land that one <laughs> well so they measured rocks on conveyor belts and we measured the stockpiles oh, okay. <laughs> so we, yeah, okay we knew them and palangios tom lovely lovely the whole family are just lovely he knew my dad very well so i was very much as well because we the bull name was so well known mm -hmm. i was i very much ride on my dad's coattails and i thought you know what sod this i'm gonna i'm gonna ride on his coattails and then i can ride on my own coattails and it'll go further so i yeah. thought i'm taking full advantage of, of the name <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah, so that was, um, that was a real, that was really good. And it was different because I got to, we, I, I remember one time we went up um, into, went to Whipwear and uh, North Bay, it was called, and went there and then they had, they did a, a conference for all their uh, mining clients because it was all mining. And um, I remember sitting in this conference room with all these miners, uh, mining, mining engineers, blast engineers, um, mining surveyors really interesting and I remember one guy saying he was in the north middle north top end of Canada I was like oh that's a bit cold yeah <laughs> don't exactly know what I'm just, yes place. just like, trying right to think about top. yeah and I remember and he said he was on this open cast mine and um the JCB that they had to use they had to keep them running all the time so you couldn't switch them off in winter and they were yeah. only allowed outside six minutes right and he said, so they'd run out, do their little job, whatever they're doing, and then Making go back cold. in here. But yeah. And he said that the, I don't know what they call them. I don't know if they're called wildcats or panthers or what. I can't even remember. Leopards, snow leopards or something. Okay. He said they used to walk the perimeter because they were like, ooh, neat. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I love this. I love it. You mm. just hear so many different stories of different places, don't you, that you just would never, ever think that. No. Think about it. I mean, I had a I had a student who went to Canada to work um, from Australia, and he was like, "It's so cold, and we can only work for a certain amount of time during the day because it's so cold and all that kind of stuff." But yeah, I didn't hear any stories about like, snow left. <laughs> oh, all sorts of weird stuff. Yeah, and I remember one time this is we were um, this is slightly going back earlier days, MDL days. We had um, we had a show in Oregon and in states and Alison Alford oh she'd be good somebody for you to interview she's another awesome lady <laughs> um she used to work for our dealer in Texas anyways um they were we were selling little hand the handheld laser ace uh yep. units with forestry 
to measure um, heights of trees, breadth of trees, all that sort of, sort of stuff. And I remember going over there. Well, one, we were two blonde females on the stand, right? And one being English, which Americans just think the accent's just hilarious. And not that I have an accent, but um, I've got, I suppose, a British accent, but it's not any, it's not very strong British. No, it's not strong. It's not a Cockney accent. No, and it's not a Yorkshire accent, Lord. <laughs> And me and Alison went to this, we were actually beside the Trimble stand, which was even more hilarious. And she was the Trimble dealer, she was the Trimble rep. Uh-huh. And um, one, we attracted everybody. Everybody was like, oh, female stand, let's go over there. Let's see if they know what they're talking about. Well, that's like a red rag to a bull to me. I'm just like, come on, bring it on, bring it on. <laughs> so I'm like, and it was really funny because all the guys that were asking questions at the Trimble stand, they didn't know the answers. And a lot, a lot of it was the technical side. Um, not that they didn't know. I mean, there were sales reps. There weren't technical backgrounds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, Alison had started her career fixing total stations, handheld laser devices, all sorts of things. So she knew the ins and outs she of knew. how things worked. Yeah, yeah. Calibration, yeah. calibration work. She did all that sort of stuff. Well, it was hilarious because they'd ask, they'd ask, these Trimble guys a question and Alison were like, oh yeah, you need to do this. Or they're like, can you ask us a question? We don't know what he's on about. <laughs> <laughs> but we had the right crowd of people. It was hilarious. <laughs> oh my God. It's it's and, it's pretty funny, isn't it? Because you you do get the people that think, oh, it's a girl. She doesn't know anything. <laughs> yeah. And that, going to Japan, we did a lot of work in Japan actually. But and I did my thesis actually when at uni on on Japanese, uh, you know, English speaking companies entering the Japanese market, oh, yeah. mm. and um, really fascinated by the culture. And um, they were, I used to get so mad because we went to Nagoya and the taxi driver wouldn't even speak to me. No, 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 he would speak to my brother. I'm like, yeah. no, wait a minute, excuse me, hello. And like, mm-hmm. and it's just the culture. But I was like, no, I'm not having this. No, 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 no. Bad, isn't it? I know. I know. Mm. It's changed a little bit now, hopefully. Anyway. Yeah. But I think I think I'm more like, well, that's their way. It's okay. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's like it, it's their culture, it's their conditioning. Yeah. Cool conditioning. Point. Yeah. And it's the same in industry now, you know, if if people are sarky or whatever, I'm I just get it over my head and and or I'll challenge it back, but you know you can tell when somebody's worldly compared to someone who's very close-minded, very very yeah. quick. Well, I can anyway. I can I can tell, and it's just like, well, have you thought about it this way? And if they're open-minded, they're like, no, I haven't actually. And if they're close-minded, they won't have any of it. Well, I don't want to speak to them anyways if they're going to be dicks. So it's no, fine. it's not worth it. Yeah, yeah, waste no. of time. Yeah. All right. So you have. Your academy. Well, you have geospatial geospatial marketer, hmm. and you've got get kids in a survey. Yeah, your babies. <laughs> my new my babies. Yeah. So, um, get kids survey. Cut a long story short, we um, we start off. I'll give you a little bit of background on Elaine Limited, really. But we start off doing a lot of retainer work. So we're doing work. My background is mainly in marketing workshops and consultancy. I fly in and do workshops and train people on how to do things. And then that sort of turned into more retainer work. So we were doing more agency work, which is great fun. Um, but you haven't got a control, you haven't got control 
especially other bigger companies, you haven't got control on how they can go into stuff. So if you want to change stuff on the website, well, that has to go back to central. That's so there was so a lot hard. more, more yeah. it was harder to change. Where And then, then you had the smaller companies who were up for it, but then didn't have the capacity. So it was all, you have to sort of really sort of balance that out. And um, I've learned a lot along the way and it's been great fun. And, and I've got some amazing friends um, through the whole thing. And then it was, um, just be, it was actually lockdown. Um, they it, we we actually grew thirty percent in lockdown. The start of lockdown, it was crazy. We suddenly had loads of people send us messages saying, "Please, can you do some online workshops? Please, can you explain what digital marketing is, what personal branding is in our industry? Can you train us on this?" So we did loads of workshops on that. So is that how- where is that where you've kind of narrowed down on your niche of the the geospatial companies? Yeah, like yeah. It's only so, been in the last few years that that's happened. Yeah, so we've yeah. gone from, so it started off workshops, yep. workshops in Spolzy, so mm-hmm. um, training, yep. and then it went into retainers, and now I'm pulling back on retainers because you can't scale retainer work. Yeah. Um, you need more bodies, and I don't want more bodies. Um, I want, I've got a really good, strong core team, yeah. and two, well, actually four very good subbies that I can pull mm-hmm. in at certain things. Brilliant, and I, I, I like that. What I'm very good at is the training and the workshops. I'm very good at implementing, but it's a slower process. And I get more of a kick when somebody who I've taught implements it and goes, oh my God, oh my God, I just got a 20 grand scanning job. Yeah, woo. Because then they've learned it and they believe in it and they go, I can do this shit. I can do this. Hmm. And it that gives me a bigger buzz than me doing it any day. So it's morphed back to workshops, but this time to scale it, I've put it into an academy and then now I'm building a community around it. So all those people in that community will benefit from each other's expertise, knowledge. And again, it's, it's building that knowledge gap globally. It's not just one, uh, one country. No, because you've got people from everywhere, don't you? Everywhere. And it's growing. It's grown like mad. So, mm-hmm. and it's going to grow crazy this year, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, yeah, the academy is, you know, is, is the teaching, is teaching what works in our industry within geospatial, anything to do with measurement and survey work. Um, and I focus on, on sort of, I, and I've, I've played with the idea of niching down again, but both areas need me. So I work, start off working with manufacturers and, and resellers yeah. who, um, quite a lot of the resellers do have marketing departments. Their thing is that they're not from industry. So they want to learn the terminologies and speed up that process. They can implement faster and know what works. Um, Whereas I sell to surveyors. So surveyor owners and people who are doing the marketing within the business um, who are tasked to implement it. I work with those guys as well. And, you know, it's like, they're both they're both slightly different ways of that they need what they need because the the surveyors themselves the survey businesses it's more of a business thing so I teach them sales and marketing but it's also you know looking at the bigger picture whereas the the manufacturers it's focusing on that full sales funnel if you see what I mean yeah and I think it's when you look at the surveyors and the surveying companies surveyors aren't always the best business people no, they're not. They know how to set. They know how to survey, and they're yeah. really, really good at that. 
Yeah. But starting a business and trying to market themselves. I mean, surveyors were always really bad at marketing themselves. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Really, really badly. Um, Running a business, how to get clients in the door, all of that kind of stuff is just, it's foreign to them really. Foreign. Yeah. And it's not their bag and it's like, but it's my bag. So it's like, right, I'm going to teach you. I'm not going to give you a fish. I'm going to teach you how to fish. Yeah. So that's my thing. And imagination is amazing. You know, if you Mm. can imagine, right, where can I get my survey business? What is my next step? Oh, let's take it from, I don't know, 50 grand a month to 200 grand a month. What really? Yes, you can do it. Yeah. Right. This is what you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. And then they start getting the chip away at little bits and think, wow, this does work. It's like, yeah, it does work. Because I know it does work because it's done it for me. (laughs) (laughs) And you see the, um, because I'm part of that academy, um, and you see some of the things that they post with the, I've just done this and this has just happened. And it's like, yes. Yeah. You just do those little steps and you follow that process and you do it the way and you can just start start to see that some of them are getting, getting those wins, which is really nice. Which is really good, yeah. But I think as well, it's the marketing and sales industry is a bit, I think it comes across a bit fluffy. Now, I I need to ask Mm -hmm. the question a bit more to our guys, you know, people within survey and, you know, within the geospatial industry, what do they think? And that's why, you know, I I do ask the questions about it and I do get the like, well, yeah, well, you don't know who to trust, do you? So because they're not from industry. And I think that's a big thing. Um. And that's, you know, having that backup and believing in the process because it is, it literally is a process. Mm-hmm. Follow these steps, keep with it. Don't stop. You're doing a good job. You're going to have ups and downs. Stick with it. It works. And then they suddenly get a win and like, shit, it works. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I mean, I'm simplicitating it a little bit here, but, um, oh, of course. A little bit here, but okay. you know, it's, it's like, and I love it. I love the I love the sales and marketing because I I see what it can get and yeah. um and the wins of it. And I I mean we've done it with GetKids and Survey. I mean GetKids and Survey start off when um Rachel the Survey Association in the UK said Elaine, would you like to put some marketing material in the packs at the AGM? Yes. I went no, I'm not doing it. I says tell you what, I'm working with an amazing cartoonist. I will uh, do a poster, and um, we're working because we, we'd found him because I wanted to get. Uh, working with Topodot, point Topodot, cloud processing. Yep. they have got point cloud processing software which is really boring it's like uh you know really? point cloud <laughs> extra- feature <laughs> extraction dot, but dot, you know to dot. <laughs> dot to dot yeah literally and I was just like how can we jazz up to make an impact mm-hmm. to build awareness of their product of what they have to offer because I mean, I'm biased, but Topodot is amazing. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, because they have a pretty good, they, they do have a pretty good package there. But yeah, well, you know, we sit there laughing about dot to dots and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they have a very good, very good. Pa- I mean, Ted Knack is just, a, he's just king of it. He's just, he knows it so well. So it was just, it, and I thought, how can we jazz this up? How can we make an impact that is um, eventful, memorable? you know, remembering stuff like that. So we came up with a the cartoon and that's how we found Marek and that's yeah. how it all started. So it was like a combination of the two at the time. And um, then I produced this this poster, this A1 poster um, for the survey packs at the AGM. Well, it was hilarious just watching people steal these posters <laughs> off the desks 
and then because I put them in the packs and they were like oh like and it's like yeah it's fun like and it's like oh I shouldn't be having fun here I shouldn't be having fun and then we had um we had a couple of people um come up to us um it was the, the guy Nick at uh uh, Jacobs UK and he's like Lane can I do oh, a yeah. box of this stuff I was like sure so he's like off he went and took, and then he sort of grew legs from there mm. um but we that I mean get kids is just booming it's yes. with um it's booming it, it's mm. our now our, I suppose our weakest link is the education getting into the education industry which I'm a bit baffled with um it's so it's so hard it's so difficult to the dinosaurs they're freaking dinosaurs I, <laughs> I was like i i spoke to a certain association i won't go into names particularly no, no, but um, this particular this is education in education and she said to me you make survey and geography exciting oh, no goodness. shit sherlock <laughs> it is exciting <laughs> And I was like, oh my God, if you're in her in charge of this association, no wonder people are not going into don't know about it. So I yeah. think that's the biggest problem. And and I wonder and I've kind of been thinking of, of this because I've got a couple of younger ones who are now attending university um, to be primary school teachers. Mm. Um, and I kind of think, do we need to focus there? to get their head around it and know yeah. that it's there so that once they go into the schools, they've got their heads around it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And this is why, so me and Alison Watson, a class of your own, who's got the deck yes. curriculum, we are now working even closer together. So she's actually just purchased the Geospatial Market Academy actually. So it's quite good because oh, she's got a lot of education side and, mm -hmm. and contact. So I've got, we've got quite a lot of really cool things lined up, but how do we make an impact? And so we've got to do it from children under the age of 12. We've got to make an impact. So they're aware of, of it through cartoons, through fun interaction and stuff that they can do. And then with time they get to sort of 13, 14, 15 upwards, they're like, oh yeah, I remember Get Kinserve. I remember these posters. Oh yeah, I remember a, a bull chasing a guy across a, um, a park, you know, parkland. And it's like, oh yeah, you know, just remembering it's memorable. So then when they go into then older school, you know, all the, the further education, like, oh yeah, I think I might do this subject. I'm going to do construction and designing construction, or I'm going to do survey or whatever. Mm. And then the time they get to university level, it's no brainer because they've been exposed to what it actually is. We're not okay. ramming it down the face. And this is why we, no. with the, we, we try and keep it to a minimum of 10, maximum of 10 sponsors on each poster. So our profit margin on our posters is very small, but the money that we get, we put back into the, into it, as you can see. Yeah, um, yeah. But we don't want it to be an advertising, you know, it's not supposed to be there for advertising people's equipment. It's there as industry, we're supporting the industry. Because I mm -hmm. And this is what, this was my dilemma after the second poster, because the second poster was on Antarctica and it was a um, big shout out to um, Dave Bennett at Topcon UK because yeah. yeah. he gave me some money. He, he was awesome. And he just sort of said to me, you can do this, you know, because I said, I'm going to go bust. My, yes. my, my post bill in the May 2018 <laughs> was £1,500 because I was shipping these goddamn posters all around the world and I wasn't charging for it. But it was a real moral dilemma pulling on my heartstrings because I thought as a marketeer, 
I should be putting, I should be helping the industry expose the industry, right? So that was my putting something back. And then it was Dave who sort of said to me, look, you know, you, you need to sort of make some kind of business model out of this. So we thought, and I just thought, you know what? I need to get over this unhelpful belief pattern and sort my shit out. And then that's, it's grown legs. I mean, so we would like to make it into a charity arm. And it's funny mm. because 2.30 this afternoon, I've got a call, I've got an account, I'm meeting the accountants to talk about it and how we're going to build it. Scholarships more- and stuff? Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. So there's a lot to come yet with Get Kids, but it's um, the brand ambassador. We've got over 70 brand ambassadors now globally. I know. <laughs> it's me putting my hand up. <laughs> I'm like, me, me, me. Um, and that, because we can only do so much marketing from top yes. down, they've yep. got to do it from bottom up. So they're in local, local places. And it's anybody can become a brand ambassador. It's, um, it's all about exposure at that local level. You know, yeah, you can put and, it as much or as little as you like. So yeah, and, and that's that's the thing that I've always tried to to get through to surveyors, and they sit there and they say, "Oh, you know, there's problems with this, and there's problems with it, and we don't have this, and we don't have that," and they'll sit there and they'll whinge and moan and carry yeah. on, but they won't yeah. do anything about it. No. So no. I'm like, I stand up there and I say, "I'm here, but I can't do it without you." yeah you guys need to step up and help or nothing's going to happen yeah we're slowly getting there yeah it's just building momentum like it's like and it's it's like the sales you know you you start building momentum on getting gaining more sales per month you focus on that what your that goal is Mm. you will get more sales that month Mm. you're diverting your attention and this is why that that I put oh, I did a poster, a thought of the week. I think it was the end of last year. And the thought of the week was about time management. And I block book out three times a week, 90 minutes. And I, I it's in my diary. You can't book a time on my Calendly. It's in my diary. I, I stick to it religiously. Because otherwise you can't, you know, you can't, I can't work on my business if I'm not religious to it and that's with anything if you want to if you want to build your sales you focus and you you know you look at your time and and another little really good one is to actually every half set your phone for every half an hour to bleep at you and write down what you've just done in that half an hour and when I first did it I thought shit I scroll Instagram too much stop it waste of time and when I built it up over a week it was like three hours of scrolling Three hours I could have been doing prospecting and getting sales in. So true. Mm. And I know you've said that to me too. It's a habit. Time block. It's a habit. Time block. You need to time block. Okay. I know you send me these things all the time. You need to time block. You need to write down every half an hour what you're doing. And- yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you one thing. It's a habit. It's getting into the habit of doing it. Yeah. It works. Yeah. Yes, mum. <laughs> oh, Yeah. So the other thing I've got as well is, I mean, we use a wall map, weekly activity report, and we put down what we've got to do that no matter what, we've got to do that, the main thing every day. So like I prospect every day religiously, 20 new contacts every day religiously. Never fail it. Since I started doing it, it's, that is the normal thing. So you'll notice with my LinkedIn profile contacts have gone up massively lately. Yeah, right. That's so good. focusing, but a, re- a really good book to get is Malpaper. 
M-A-L paper, and it's called a daily goal setter. That is awesome. So you list down the three things you're grateful for, your date, your time, where you are, your daily affirmation, and then you can put down today's tasks. And at the end of the day, you put great things that's happened today. So you always finish the day on a positive, even if you've had a negative day. It's really good. Sarah got me into that. It works for me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's you sit, you sit there and you read all these things and you hear it and people talk about it, but um, it really does help, doesn't it? Changes Absolutely your mindset, help. helps your focus. Yeah. It is the focus thing. But the thing is, I have got such a vivid goal for this year. Nothing is going to stop in my way. I am going to get to that goal. Brilliant. It's like, right, this is what I've got to do. So we, my whole team is focused on that goal. We've reversed engineered the goals to be mm. into quarterly and monthly. So we know exactly what we've got to do each month. And we're accountable. Every Thursday, we have a meeting to discuss that on the warm up. So we have the warm up set up. We all share it. Um, and if you're in the Geospatial Market Academy, you're gonna gonna get that on the planning section. So I'm going to share that, um, and uh, on how to do it. Great things in that academy. Great things in that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not trying to get your sales here or anything, but. <laughs> right. Got to watch the case study. We've got that really cool. We just look, have you seen the case study yet? Have you watched it? No, haven't. You will have to watch the case study. I'll send you the link. So it's on the main, it's on the laneball.co.uk on the main page. Um, and I can also send you the link as well. So the case study is like a, it gives you some, um, tells you who I am, tells you a bit of my background, but it also then gives you what, what I think it was three things that geospatial mark, geospatial businesses are doing wrong. That, oh, yeah. the, 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 mm -hmm. you know, why the successful people don't do. And then, um, or was it the other way around? <laughs> I can't remember now. Uh, I think it's three <laughs> things that successful geospatial businesses are doing, <laughs> that struggles are not. Then oh, it gives God. you four tips. It gives you four tips you can do today. So, um, yeah. And then at the end, you can book a call with me and then the call, I can just, I can ask lots of questions mm. and then I've got an offer, which is part of the Academy. So, um, but it's not for everybody. It's, um, you know, that's fine. And um, it'll be for those people that really want to, to move that needle, to move, you know, get close to their goal, to grow, to improve, right. become leaner. Yes. Yep. Not necessarily, I mean, the guy who's just started, he's not necessarily wants to grow. He just wants to become more profitable. Hmm. So he's like, right, how do I do that? I'm like, right, this is what you're going to do. So, yeah. Well, everybody has their own uh, own idea of what they want, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. But he wants more time with his family as well. So brilliant, right? How can we, okay. how do we automate his systems? What do we need to do? So, hmm. yeah. Hmm. So how, who... You've probably had a few. Uh, who would have had the biggest impact on your career? Oh, my dad. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's still <laughs> challenging me. When I tell him how much I made, like, last month, well, that's not enough. What? <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Always, always a more. cheeky bugger, isn't he? <laughs> oh, cheeky, yeah. Yeah, he's always challenging me. Always challenging me. Um. My dad has definitely had the biggest impact on me. I think um, the other person, not maybe not so much impact, probably more of an impact on a certain time of my life yep. was um, David Ruberstein, who was my, who was the lecturer at INSEAD when I did um, the Advanced Industrial Marketing Program at INSEAD in France. 
Um, when I left MDL, that was one of the things I did before I set up my business. I went and did some training specifically on an advanced, uh, it was um, industrial marketing. And right. it was hilarious because the guy on my right was the marketing director for, it was a Brazilian mining company. It wasn't Valet, but it was a something, it was hilarious. I thought, holy shit. The guy to my <laughs> left, um, Todd, who's now a sales VP for uh, Orica Blasting from, from Australia. I was oh like, God. holy shit. You're my customer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so from he worked in sales and I worked with the um, the engineers and surveyors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um so that was really so I had I had a lot of mining and um chemical companies in mm-hmm. in the in there. So David was great. And then David, he interviewed me actually on the Wharton show, um, the Wharton business show, and he told me okay. it was like, I thank God I didn't ever ask him. It was in it was in Philadelphia at um uh, the, the the business school itself at right. Water, and he mm-hmm. and I said to him afterwards, you know, how many people's on your radio station? You know, radio show. He said, oh, we have about thirty five thousand listeners a day. Oh I was my like, god! <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry, I don't have that many. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, anyways. <laughs> so yeah, so um, yeah, I, I, David had a big impact, and the, the main thing he he teaches metrics, and he. There was two lecturers at INSEAD, him and another guy who scared me to death. He was Israeli. He was very serious. And he could like deliver the course in like nine languages. It was ridiculously intelligent. Oh. And, um, but they taught me about segmenting, really how to properly oh, okay. segment an industrial mm-hmm. market. Mm-hmm. So, and because we were in, in very, very much uh, industrial markets, it, I was like, right. So he, he was that that whole program was amazing yeah. um but david was very much metric 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 so when i went to go see him we went out for lunch and again he just grilled me on the metrics how am i measuring this what am i getting from my customer am i showing it and um that is the big thing now that i just you've got to get the end result you know the whole point of gma the geospatial Market academy is you get a result you will win if you follow the process yeah. And if it doesn't make sense, why doesn't it make sense? Let me know so I can improve it to make it better all yeah. the time. Yeah. So important. So, yeah. So David had a big impact at that period of my time. I would say, um, I would say just different colleagues, Catherine Sanford, um, who was Trimble. She now works in, in um, New Zealand. Um, they're doing a lot of work with e-bikes and stuff like that. And um, Bryn Fosberg, VP of Trimble, Pete Large again, Trimble. These just these characters, Chris Gibson, you know, these characters within industry who have been around my in my life mm-hmm. and have come across and the you know, and some of my dads, some of the I mean, just bumping into different people and just listening to how they do stuff. I think, you know, that was that's so always much, the big thing. And customers, customers. I mean some of the best customers, you know, listening to how they did stuff. Um, the Kennedys in Melbourne, you know, CR Kennedys, the Kennedy guys, you know, yeah, yeah. Those guys, brilliant. You know, it's like, how have you done that? Why have you done it that way? You know, listening to just the way they've done things and like, can I use that? So, yeah. Interesting. What is the worst, uh, sorry, what is the best work advice that you've ever heard? Oh, the best. Yeah. Oh, you, could say, you could tell me the worst <laughs> I think the best is having an imagination mm-hmm. 
and going after your imagination, dreaming. Nice. Doing it. I haven't heard that one before. Mm. Mm. I mean, my dad's always said it. Dream it, it'll come true. If you really, really want that dream, it'll come true. Einstein said it. Did Einstein say something like that? It, you, the best thing in your brain is your imagination or something. I'm sure there's a quote. It I'm probably sure. Is. I'm, I'm going to have to look it up now because, geez, I've got a good imagination. <laughs> yeah. But it's like. I just need to put things into place. <laughs> yeah. I, I think imagination, keeping it simple and don't give up. Yes. So true. Don't give up. That That is one thing that I have always, I've never given up. I suppose I've given up when I thought, I've, I've always pushed. I thought, no, I'll find another way. I'll find another way. And I think people give up too early and give up and think it's too hard. It's supposed to be hard. You only use something like 10% of your brain. <laughs> get, get over it. <laughs> He's the other the other ninety percent of mine struggling then. <laughs> yeah, it's something ridiculous. It's something ridiculous that it's only like you know, we only use something like ten percent of our brains. It's and it's like, and don't give, don't give, keep going. Keep if you want, if you have a goal, you will get there. Figure yeah. out how to get there. Just it will come, but you have the goal and you stick to it and you go for it. Or you tell your friends and then they put it out for everybody to know and then you have no choice but to do it that's right yeah and you're accountable but it's like my whole thing is to up level the geospatial industry you know when I die on my deathbed I want people to go shit Elaine's helped us that everybody's raised everybody competitors whatever they've all raised their profiles and what I mean by that is the better marketeers the better communicators the better at business, they've got better profit margins. Everybody's mm. up leveled. The entire industry is up leveled. And then for me, that is the number one. If I can leave this world and go, yeah, I've helped the industry up level, I am satisfied. And get kids fits right in there as well, because yeah. I've up leveled the communication element. So more people are going to be attracted to industry. So that is my 100% goal. It's like, I'm going to up level the industry. Nobody's getting in my way. <laughs> <laughs> don't get on the wrong side of this lady <laughs> yeah so, so Elaine what motivates you <laughs> um I don't know I don't know actually I think I think seeing people improve and knowing you've had you've guided them and they've they've done it themselves they've done it themselves but I've just dropped in a few things in there and they've gone shit wow and then they've up leveled and they've and that I used to get a buzz out of I remember I took on one um lady actually she started off as a second as a receptionist at MDL and she ended up becoming sales manager for the laser ace actually um for handheld products and confidence I pushed the confidence you can do it and I just kept saying you can do it you can do it and 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 yeah um and she's become this amazing she did it herself she had she thought god i've got backup elaine's giving me backup i've got the confidence to do it i can do this i can Isn't do it amazing this. when you get a little bit of support and yeah having someone believe in you believe in you yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and i think the older i get now I, I i'm not so worried about if i say the wrong thing anymore or if i leave a mistake <laughs> spelling mistake in my linkedin profile i'm like do you know what shit get over it i don't care whatever 
but you know it's like keep up level keep getting better mm. improve you know it's like um yeah I think that's the thing don't let anybody stand in your way mm. what's your guilty pleasure ponies ponies and sheep ponies <laughs> <laughs> My, my husband said to me, you love them more than me. I went, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's marriage, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I've, um, yeah, ponies. All my life, ponies. Um, mm. Yeah, I've got two crackers at the moment. They're awesome. One that's, he's a white horse that's trying to be every other colour than, than white. Oh, my God. The <laughs> photo you put up the other day <laughs> of him at the yeah. camera, his big mouth at the camera, that was just gorgeous. He's beautiful. Yeah. He is a good, he's a big, he's a yeah. giant dog. Get in the car with you. He's that. He's so <laughs> funny. Um, Maggie's a different kettle of fish. She, I mean, she's going to be a cracking jumper. She's, I've, she's, she'll be four in April. Mm-hmm. And we did, we've done three clinics already, show jumping clinics, just baby stuff, tiny little yep. like 50, 40, 50 centimeters, tiny jumps, but yep. also build her confidence. And she jumps each one at about a meter. <laughs> oh. So yeah, <laughs> you have to hold on. Um, I love that. Um, she's a difficult fish. You like, if you piss her off, she will bite you. Whereas Finn, you can tell him off, and he's like, "Ooh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a man to female thing. Well, I don't know. no, no, it's not because my Fred was an absolute donkey. He was horrible. He was beautiful, but he was the same. If you if he didn't like something, he, he was nipping around at you, telling you. Yeah. What. He was jumping around, kicking legs at you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to watch Maggie. She's funny like that. And then of course I've got a thing for, I've always had a thing for Herdwick sheep. So from the yes. Lake District. Yes. Um, so I got, I had a couple of Herdwicks, a uh, few, quite a few about five or six years ago now. And then last year I thought, sod it, I'm going to buy some more. So I went over to Cockermouth, yeah, funny name for place. <laughs> and I got, I've, got, I've got six Cockermouth, yeah, six, six um, shearlings. So a year old, um, uh, use and um, it was awesome going to Cockermouth anyways and you should have seen me bidding in the proper in the sheep <laughs> thing and I'm jumping up and down like a right loony while the auctioneer just started laughing at me and there was three of us against this pack of what you call, flock of six girls um, so it was uh, yeah it was very it was very amusing but um, yeah I've got that and then I've got a top called Lancelot and then um, we've just, I've had to take him away from the girls and I've got him a weather, which is a castrated boy um, who's his mate called Sean. No. <laughs> so Sean is actually a pet lamb and he's very oh, annoying. Sean. You go into the pen and he just gets you in the back of the knee and off you go flying onto the floor. <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, the animals, I said, yeah, the horses and the sheep and mm-hmm. the dogs and that so yeah guilty pleasure is definitely the horses but um I like triathlons I've started doing triathlons a few years ago I like I like the long distance stuff um the half Ironman sort of sort of crazy. stages um, crazy crazy <laughs> I, like, I like that that and it, it it's funny because I, with the whole exercise thing with the whole pushing yourself mm-hmm. your body's amazing and I think that's why I like the longer distance stuff the longer fell runs that we do, I like that to see, can I actually do this? And it's, it takes me away from, that's my downtime as well, because it, when you're focusing on the event, you're not thinking. You can't about, focus on anything yeah. else. Yeah. 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 Cause I get you told need to do. Mm. Yeah. 
I'd work all day, all night. I'd be at midnight every night. If I, could. I mean, I, I'm a, an early person to bed. I'm in bed by half eight, nine o'clock. Um, and then we're up at six. But, um, you know, when Ben was away a few weeks ago and, and you know, went skiing, I mean, I was on the computer till midnight prospecting. And it's just like, because I know what I want. My goal is in my mind. I want it there. I want it quickly. So I'm like prospecting, prospecting. Um, but, you know, it's, I, you, you burn out. I burnt out. I burnt out last year. So... I think uh, a few of us did that. Yeah. Mm. That's yeah. the only thing we're working for. I mean, I've worked from home since 2013 anyways. Mm. You know, I've got a little office in the garden and stuff like yeah. that. But um, I think that's one of the big disadvantages of working from home. You don't, there's, it blurs your social, your private life to your mm-hmm. work life. I think, so. Mm. so true. So true. I know what since... Mm, July, June last year, I've been at home and I sort of went from my job in the project management side to this job with the academy and it's just, yeah, I quite can quite easily sit here at six, seven o'clock at night and my Ben will walk up and he goes, are you going to be finished soon? Yeah. And I go, yeah, 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 I'll just, ah, yeah, okay, I'll, Mm. I'll come out. Oops. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And the weekend you're sitting here and there's not much to do or it's raining or whatever. Oh, I'll just go and do some work. Cause Get some sheep. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. I don't think my block of land is quite big. Well, I could probably have one, maybe. <laughs> thousand square meters is not bad, but yeah. No, no, no. And two bloody cats, they're bad enough. <laughs> hmm. uh, so I suppose... I had a how do you relax question in there, but we've kind of answered that one anyway, haven't we? Yeah, well, so I, I start work, try to start work, if not earlier, I do start work at 10 most mornings because I have, I ride my horse at half past seven. So every I, day. I pretty much every day. Um, I didn't this morning because I thought I'll get in the office early and stuff like that. But I mean, there's, Otherwise, I come out my house into my office at half past seven. But you see, because my dad's six miles down the road, I have to go feed horses and sheep. So mm. it makes me go out. I, otherwise, when if I've got somebody looking after them in the mornings, I come straight in here at half seven. And I'm here till seven, <laughs> six, seven. And that's another thing why training, because we've got quite a bit of training in at the moment with the triathlon stuff, doing Zwift rides and, and um, mm. running clubs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's in the diary. And Ben will go mental if I didn't do it. So yeah. having that that in there makes you so but yeah like half past seven on Friday morning I headed out for just an hour's ride and not no longer than usually an hour and the birds were singing it was crispy sun was up it was just like where's my video you always send me little videos of things like that I haven't had one for ages (laughs) and it was really funny this morning right because Serena across the road she texts me she's like you riding I'm like no not this morning because it was I thought I've got to get in the office but it was also raining I went rain I'm not going out it's raining (laughs) Finn don't want to go out in the rain (laughs) oh poor Finn (laughs) <laughs> so little animals <laughs> precious you all right would you rather have a get out of jail card or a key that opens any door a key that opens any door oh yep Definitely. i would say because mm-hmm. i won't be and if i get in jail i'll have a key to get out so yes i know see the smart ones think about it. Mm. <laughs> if you see puddle on the ground do you walk around it jump over it or jump in it 
high-fiving her right now. I'm like, woohoo! <laughs> Why not? Let's see what happens. <laughs> so much fun. You know, I have surveys go, oh, well, how wide is the puddle? How deep is the puddle? Oh, God. How much water is in the puddle? No! <laughs> Answer the question. Okay, you're too boring. Go away. <laughs> I don't want to play with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you had a superpower, what would it be? I think it would have to be the cloak of Harry Potter. Ooh. You know, the invisibility cloak. You could do a lot. You could have a lot of fun. We flies on the walls with sorts, all sorts of things, I'd think. I think that'd be quite an interesting one, invisibility cloak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Somebody else asked me that question. Oh, I it's like the teleport. Oh, yeah. Can they come and see you and ride horses? And... Yeah, that's true. Mm. That's true. Oh, if only. Yeah. If you could go back in history, where would you go? Ooh. Mm. Ooh. If I could go back in history, where would I go? Do you know what? It, <laughs> bizarrely, it'd have to be Catherine, uh, Catherine, Captain Cook's time in Australia. Yeah. Australia. I'd like to see what it was like on the old ships and navigation, like how they navigated, like, like not, oh, well, we can fall back on our GPS system, <laughs> actually how they did it and where they, how they found Australia, what they thought of culture, the Aborigines. And I don't know why, I don't think because it's quite visible in my head because we did a lot of that at school. Um, but yeah, I'd probably say Captain Cook's era. Interesting. At a party, where would someone find you? Usually in the middle, talking to everybody. <laughs> no, really? Dancing on, the, dancing on the table or dancing on a piano like a, a, a geo oh, business. Yes. Uh, into GM a few years ago. Oh, Jesus Christ. Anyway. <laughs> is there a video of that one? <laughs> there is. I've got it. And the guy's face. Oh, my God. I'm surprised I didn't get arrested. Oh. God, I wouldn't be happy if you were up on my... No, I'd actually, I'd probably laugh if you were on my piano. Well, quite a lot of people started going, Woo! and I'm like, yeah! <laughs> Don't need much more encouragement than that, do you? <laughs> oh, do you? Yeah. All right. Would you make the same choices again if you had a do-over? Um, yeah, I probably would. I think I never look back. Um hmm. Everything I've made has got me to where I am. I don't regret anything. There's some shitty times in my life, but I don't regret it. Um, uh, it's where I am today. And I think that's, that's how it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would, mm, yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm the same. I sort of think, I, I, yeah, I've made some bad choices over my years, but I wouldn't be where yeah. I am now if I, if, if it's I made, didn't me make those choices, I wouldn't. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've learned from it. I think I think that's the biggest thing is I've learned from it. So it's like it's made me how I am and how I think and stuff like that. And I think that's really important. Mm. Yeah, definitely. That's my really really hard hitting questions. Mm, they're good. <laughs> good. Huh. I like the puddle one. <laughs> oh, I love the puddle one. It really really shows you who the person is. <laughs> <laughs> And whether they'll come and have fun with us or whether they can stay stay at home. The one's good because like like I would I'm a bit of a so I can be a bit of a bull in a china shop. So it's just like I'll just run through it, you know, see what happens. Um 
squares, you know, it's like, oh, I could go around it, but I'd probably analyze it a little, like really quickly, go, go around, go around. It's like when I'm out on the horse the other day, he decides to go around the puddle instead of through it. And it was, I got more into a panic because he went up the side of the bank in the mud and there was a big <laughs> ditch on the left. He could have fallen in the ditch. I was like, you knob, what are you oh. doing? Walk through the puddle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See that this, I had one of those where, you know, we were riding a few of us up a hill and all these horses went around one side of the tree and we started going around that side of the tree and all of a sudden he goes, no, don't want to go that way. And he just jumped sideways and ran around the tree the other side. And of course I wasn't ready for it. So I fell off and broke my wrist, but you know, <laughs> you know, you stupid animal. <laughs> don't worry. I just pulled my sock off and tied it around my wrist and kept riding for the day. <laughs> yeah. That's what I would do. <laughs> yeah. No matter, I've got broken ribs. I'm still going to go skiing. <laughs> going to do it. Going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, we're on to quick shots. So basically it's just yes, no, hot, cold, whatever you think is the, the best answer. Or you can go down the middle if you really must. I okay. won't hold you to anything. Tea or coffee? Tea. Pommy. <laughs> English Sorry. Yorkshire tea, love. <laughs> a cup of tea, love. Cup of tea. Cup of tea. Not a brew. I had, I had a... Um, one of my friends on Instagram where I put on, on my stories on time about having a cuppa. Mm. So in the morning, you know, I was sitting on my back deck having a cuppa and he goes, what's a cuppa? And I'm like, it's a cup of tea. He goes, oh, and then he said something about, oh, coffee. And I went, no, 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 no. If you want to have a cuppa, it's a cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, cup of tea. If you want a coffee, it's a coffee. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's Love like, it. oh, okay. So then sometimes I'll post something. You'll go, we're well, having a cuppa, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I love no, it. Good. I love it. Americans just, I don't get it. Tomato, tomato. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Cat or dog? <laughs> dog. Dog. Sunrise or sunset? Ooh, sunrise or sunset. Well, I'm going to say sunrise only because when we're in the Lake District in January, we walked up the one of the fells at 6 a.m. to watch the sunrise, and then we saw the moon going down. It was awesome. Oh, wow, that's cool. Mm. Yeah, but I like Some both. Are, yeah, I like both too. I'm just not up very often for sunrises. <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Although, <laughs> did you see my pictures the other day? I know you no. don't scroll Instagram very often. I stayed at a friend's place down the coast at Berry. Oh, yeah, ended I up, did. Yes, yes, I stayed did. Sunday night and thought, I've got to go to work in the morning. I've got a meeting at 8.30. So I get up to leave at, I don't know, 5.30, quarter to six or whatever it was. And there was a train strike, so I didn't have to go into work. So I thought as long as I'm home by 8.30 for my meeting and I'm driving along and all of a sudden I just see these little beautiful colors coming through the clouds and I'm like oh I'm right near the beach I'm just gonna yeah. pull off and ah oh, it was just nice actually want to leave mm. <laughs> all right moving on summer or winter summer mm. although you don't have that much of a summer do you <laughs> <laughs> no true <laughs> and winter's very miserable like, no, I was gonna say yeah. now mm, with going into I like the, I like the changing seasons um winter is great up until Christmas and then afterwards I'm sick and tired of it now because it's soggy wet 
we don't really have winter to be fair so <laughs> it's, it's nice when it's really crispy and you have the really seasons but yeah I don't know probably summer I like summer yeah roller coasters do you love or hate them well I used to hate them and then Ted took me on one in at Universal Studios um which was called the Hulk and it uh, had such a buzz <laughs> he made me sit at the front as well best. <laughs> three items you'd take to a desert island <laughs> I have to be careful with this question um, <laughs> no please please but you have to listen to who was it? Who was the lady who talked about this one? Anyway, Belinda. Yes, Belinda. Belinda. <laughs> Three things to take to a desert island: um, pen and uh, pe- uh, pencils and paper to draw. Definitely. Could that be one? Yeah. Okay. That's one. Yeah. Thanks. Um, <laughs> three things. Can I take a pony? Of course. Yeah. yeah. I'll take the horse. And I would probably. Oh. Doggies are looking at me. Um, I was gonna say yeah, take, pen, take pen and paper and probably take the archers off oh. BBC Radio 4. Really? <laughs> yeah, I love the. If any Brits listen to this, they're going to go, Jesus Christ, Elaine. <laughs> <laughs> probably the archers. You have to listen to it. It's awesome. You're it's like crazy. <laughs> I am. I am. But yeah, oh. the art. I love to listen to the archers. It's been going for send like donkey's ears not centuries <laughs> of years. it's uh, radio, favorite, just radio. Oh, i'll have to find them favorite art, artist or song oh uh, mm, mm. it's hard for some people i don't really have it because i don't i listen to all sorts i'm a big classical person i listen to a lot of classical music um which surprises some people yeah. but it's a really nice downtime i listen to it in the car quite if i'm not listening to a podcast or i'm listening to an audio book it's usually classical music um i don't know i don't really have one to be fair um no what about favorite movie (laughs) it's sort of a toss-up between um uh pretty woman okay yep and the goonies (laughs) do you know i don't think I've ever seen the Goonies. What? I know. No. I know. No, no. I'm serious. And I've got a, a couple of friends who it's their favorite movie, and I go, I'll have to watch it. And I always you forget. Have to watch it. I always forget to watch it. I know about it, and just it's so good. All right, I'll have to watch it. Have yeah, to watch it. this weekend. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> You're gonna quiz me now, aren't you? I am. Uh, favorite book? Oh, this will be a hard one. Well, I don't li- read storybooks, to be fair. Um, and I don't know. I've got. Well, actually, actually, no, I do read storybooks. Harry Potter. <laughs> I'm a bit of a Harry Potter fan. So I've just looked because I've got two Harry Potter books sitting behind me. So I've, got I was whole, like, I've got all of mine sitting in, in the cupboard. Yeah, so I, was, I suppose from a storybook perspective, Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, from a business book, I've got so many business books. Oh, um, I, know. I would probably say um, Everybody Writes by Anne Hadley. Um, mm-hmm. okay. She is the queen of copywriting So and highly recommend her book. She has an awesome newsletter. It's one of the only newsletters I actually read and I store it. Bella, who looks after, does my 
sort of mm. the PAE work. Mm-hmm. She always puts it into a file for me so I can read it later. Um, nice. But she's very good about copywriting and being journalist and all that sort of jazz. Mm-hmm. Mm. Cool. You know, the only other person that has mentioned Harry Potter is Brayden, Charlie Brown. all right I'll mention that to him I was having chats with him the other day actually (laughs) we were sitting I I, um on Sunday I was a bit bored (laughs) and so I'm like come on my podcast (laughs) yeah so he's like oh okay when (laughs) I'm like I don't know whatever time he's like oh okay (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, he's, he's yeah. a nice fella actually. He's got he's got some good stories. Mm. Stories, yeah. I love the mining stuff, the mining stories, and he stuck out in Perth, wasn't he, and stuff like that. There's some typhoon hit or something like that. He had to, it was quite a lot of craziness, craziness going on. Yes. Are you an introvert or extrovert? What do you think? Okay. <laughs> when people say, when you hear, when you hear people say, <laughs> "Oh yeah, I'm actually an introvert," bullshit. You're not a bloody introvert. <laughs> I am definitely not introvert. You are not an introvert. Not even close. What about me? Oh, I don't know. I think you're. You can be quite extroverty. Mm. Um, I think you're. I, I think maybe you're a little bit. You could be a little bit sort of shy, but then I think you suddenly go boom. Yes. Yeah, but you see, more... you've never met in person or socialized, so no. But we've just clicked, so, like so yeah, I feel that, like you, you see that side of me. Yeah, I think crazy. I think you're your around... crazy brings my crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so this is another funny thing is when Ellie and me are together, my sister. Yeah, oh my yeah. god, yeah. we go even into a higher. Everybody's like the bouncing balls are coming. <laughs> so we go into even more higher. Like we just go up another level. And she's more introverted than I am. So she's, we, but she, you wouldn't call her an introvert, mm-hmm. but she's definitely more introverted when she's on her own than when she's with me. She's like crazy. So, yeah. So I don't know. I think you're probably, you have got the extrovert, but I think you're probably more, you've got quite a lot of introverts. Or maybe yeah. you're on the board. I'd say I'm an introvert with extroverted tendencies. Yes. <laughs> yes. I would probably put you on that. But you see, I haven't seen you in social when it's when we're, when I'm out in Australia and we go go to the pub and have some nice wine. Well, then um, we'll be. Well, then I'm an extrovert. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If I'm in a conference full of people, then I'll be that introvert <laughs> unless I'm standing on the stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And no, I'm just around talking to everybody. Hello. Hello. I'm Elaine. How are you? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll go and stand in the corner and wait for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or no, I'll just stand next to you. Nodding. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. You, I wouldn't let you. No, I know you wouldn't. Is your glass half full or half empty? Oh, it's half full. Mm, always. Always. Mm. One thing you'd never do again. Ooh, one thing I'd never do again. Uh, one thing I'd never do again. That's a hard one. Yeah, it is. Um, I don't know. One yeah, thing I'd yeah. never do again. I'm just trying some to think. Peop- of some people come out straight away with an answer to that oh, one. That? Yeah, hmm. and others go. Mm, I don't know. No, I, I'm just trying to think now. Yeah. The stuff that I've done. One thing I'd never <laughs> do again. 
Uh, I probably have some things, but I won't say them. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, actually. I can't think. That's all right. You'll think of it. That's going to be stuck in your head now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think I'll do most things. The stuff, I, like I wouldn't bungee jump and I wouldn't jump out of a plane, but I've never done them before, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't do them. So why would I you put out your of back? a plane? <laughs> the best no feeling. I bet it is. That's what my hubby said too. Yeah. Although yeah. you do feel your back go as the yeah. gets pulled. Anyway, yeah. moving on. If you had a warning label, what would it be? Careful, she talks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Careful. Warning. Warning. <laughs> Warning. Be prepared. <laughs> but I'm not like my dad. My dad's very much a transmitter, not a receiver. I do actually receive. <laughs> Block out that 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Who yeah. knows you best? Who knows me best? Mm-hmm. I would say two people. Mm-hmm. I would say Bella, who I work with, who I've known from school. She knows me very, very well. Mm-hmm. And Ben. Yeah. My husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Favorite childhood memory? Um, <laughs> uh, probably my dad's 40th birthday on the farm. And he made a boy's toilets out of hay bales and an old pipe. And this guy, we, I was 11 at the time and um, this was hilarious. It was like we had, a, um, we had a band and everything, Scottish band, Scottish music, so it was proper dancing and everything. And I just remember this guy who was completely pissed falling into the hay bales. And there's all these guys trying to have a wee behind it and they were running away and us children thought this was hilarious. <laughs> I would probably say that is one of the strongest, funniest memories ever of this party. And then Geordie Minty, who's the next farmer to us, he was, we were doing the eight some reel. And instead of me actually having my feet on the floor, I remember looking out and thinking, I'm horizontal and my feet, I can see my feet. We're going round and round in circles. And we were, it was supposed to be like, you know, when you get you clasp each other's arms and you're going round like that, you were supposed to be doing that. So yeah, I would say my dad's 40th birthday at the farm. Nice, nice. What was your favourite subject at school? Geography. Mm. I love geography. Uh, I liked history. I liked history and I liked geography, but had art. Yeah, I was. I I loved art. art. I'd say yeah. So yeah, art was. I was one of my favourite. But I did. I liked geography because we got to draw like volcanoes and maps. And all sorts of things. And I love that. So I suppose mm. it was a bit arty as well. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Favourite food? Yeah. Macaroni and cheese. When you grill the cheese on top and it's really hard. And then you put loads of salt and pepper on it. And there's tomatoes inside. Mm. Very specific. <laughs> <laughs> Very specific. You ask my hubby, he's like, macaroni and cheese. <laughs> you have to make it from scratch. And you have to layer it. Macaroni, cheese, salt and pepper, tomatoes, macaroni, cheese, grill it. Salt and pepper on top, beautiful. Oh, I could eat that right now. (laughs) Favourite drink? Uh, I would probably say red wine. Mm. Um, Chateau Neuve de Pape or a Malbec. I like Malbec. Um, 
yeah, I would say. And then from French, I like the French white wine Sancerre. I would probably say, but they don't like wine. Doesn't like me, and because I don't drink very much, I can get a very bad hangover on two glasses of wine. So um, wine does that. I know, I know it does. That. I can have like three or four glasses of gin and tonic, and it's fine. Mm. Um, and I quite like gin, especially in summer when it's really sunny. And yeah, that's yeah. nice, isn't it? I, I, I'm a bit of a soft spot for red wine. Mm, I like a red too. A wine bubbling. Yeah, wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's our decision. Pet peeve. Putting milk in your tea when your tea bag's still in your cup. But I do that. <laughs> that's just wrong. I think there's an article in like, like 2006 <laughs> or something with me saying the same thing. I hate that. It's like, oh, gross. That means there's going to be floaty bits from the tea bag in your milk. Ooh. Make sure it's strong enough, or do you let actually let it sit there in yeah. the teapot well, or the cup? Most there? of the time, most of the time, I have a teapot and I put the tea bags in the teapot. But every so often, I'll just do a quick one. But you have to put, you have to leave it for a few minutes and then take your tea bag out and put your milk in. Yeah, see, I don't have time to leave it. I'm too impatient. <laughs> oh no! Blah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> wrong (laughs) oh dear god (laughs) still laughing cut (laughs) win the lottery or the perfect job Hmm. win the lottery is cheating um the perfect job yeah i suppose you could slightly change on that but I'd probably say perfect job even though there's lots of different things but not the win lottery I think that's get out and jail card biggest fear biggest fear um uh Biggest fear. Biggest fear. I th- I would probably, if I'm really honest, be failure. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't ever want to. I won't fail ever. But it just it's not even in the vocabulary. It will not happen. But I would. I think that does drive me in business and yep. in life. Mm-hmm. I don't want, and, and it's funny because sometimes I think to myself, oh, I've not done really well this year or I've not gained them customers I wanted or I've not delivered a workshop, but I could have done the workshop better. And everybody's satisfied with me. I'm all, that's the criticalness coming out behind yeah. me, that, that, that belief pattern. It, it pops its ugly head out quite a few times. And, I, and I, then I think it's failure and it's not failure. I mean, where I've come from and where oh, I've got yeah. to. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I would say I say yeah. I say failure. Mm-hmm. Favorite sport? Well, um, I I would probably say triathlons. <laughs> <laughs> when I was younger, it was eventing, not necessarily me eventing, but watching eventing. Mm-hmm. Um, in the nine the nineties, watching them them riders. I used to watch it, but now it's triathlon, triathlon, triathlon. We watch all the Super League and the um, 
the Brownlee brothers and all that sort of stuff. So we're big into the triathlons. You're a morning or night person? Well, you mentioned that one already, but yeah. proudest moment. Um, <sighs> proudest moment. I mean, the one that just popped into my head straight away was actually at Geo Business um, 2019. Ellie was running the Get Kids and Survey and she did a talk in front. There must have been 100 people. It was in the it was in the main exhibition hall. So they had loads of people sat down. You probably had about 30, 40 people sat down. Then you had loads of people just hanging around. Yep. And I was very proud of her. Just Aww. And she was she's very like... You wouldn't put her on stage. You wouldn't think that she'd be, she was so confident. She just like reeled it all off and was just, and I felt nice. very overwhelmingly proud. Nice. That's so nice. Yeah. What's your favorite color? Turquoise. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> <laughs> I like turquoise. I mean, even my bike's turquoise and orange. <laughs> but my happy color is yellow. Really? Yeah, so when I did the NLP stuff, they get you to do one of the little things is if you have bad memories, you think of a really good memory and then you put a color to it. And then when you are in a bad position or doing something that gives you that bad feeling, you make a color to that and then you cover it in that happy color. And it's something to do with the psychology of the brain and how it remembers the you've conditioned it to remember that yellow means happy. So it overrides the negativity. Yeah, right. It's um, all to do with Richard Bandler. Yeah, John Grinder and Richard Bandler, who were the starters up of the neuro-linguistic programming. Look up those guys. It's all to do with that. It sounds a bit woo-woo and a bit fluffy, but it isn't. It's a lot, there's a lot of, we, they've had to make it so we understand it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so my happy color was always yellow to get rid of the negativity. Hmm. Yeah. Let's have a look at that one. Mm. Oh, dream car. Dream car. Mm. Ooh. Mm. Mm. Well, I'm a bit of a pickup girl, so I like my my um my pickup. I do like Land Rover. I think Land Rover is quite cool, but it always breaks down. Um, <laughs> but I would say I don't know, dream car. Mm. Well, on my dream board. <laughs> which is here <laughs> I've actually got a horse box <laughs> and I've got actually it's a gold Land Rover but I think I think I don't know if that's the Range Rover type or the the I think it's the Discovery one I like I like the oh, look yeah. of it mm-hmm. I actually have that on there um but I always fall back to the pickups because they're they're they suit my lifestyle so Practical. I suppose it, it's yeah it when you've got dogs and horses and you know horse poo and all sorts of things you don't want a nice fancy car um so yeah I would probably yeah I'd probably I would probably Land Rover definitely um maybe I'm baffling a little bit there but I'm sort of torn there's no sort of like specific I mean on the dream board itself I've got Sarah's dream board on the right hand side and she's actually got um a nice little old-fashioned 1950s Triumph Spitfire as her dream car but you see, I've got a mini as well, a little blue mini. Well, I know. You've got a gorgeous <laughs> little mini, haven't you? So I, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a mm. bit of a hard one. I'm not massively into things like that, to be fair. So I'd go an Aston Martin. Yeah, they're nice. Mm. 
I like the old-fashioned one that James Bond had, like 1960. Mm. Martin. Oh, yeah, my God, Charlie said oh. that too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how cool are you? Oh, I'm 10. <laughs> <laughs> how cool am I? I'm so fucking cool. <laughs> I'm just... the dog's bollocks so if Ryan Swiggle is <laughs> listening to this in America he cracks up when I say that because the Americans didn't know what dog's bollocks were it's like the bees and e's it's like thing and I'm like I'm the dog's bollocks like you what <laughs> <laughs> yeah well if you don't if you don't love yourself like hell nobody else is gonna nice I like it <laughs> uh apple or android oh apple Apple girl. I love Apple. The whole story of Apple, the whole branding of Apple is amazing. Says the marketer. Yeah, probably. <laughs> They've done a very good job, haven't they? Marketing. I know, it's, like, <laughs> it's like bottles of wine. Ben's like, you're a marketing person. You fall for the nice colored bottles of the nice labels on the wine. I'm like, yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> who cares if it tastes like shit? The bottle looks nice. Yeah, nicely. <laughs> All right, lastly, what star sign are you? Pisces. Pisces. Oh. Now. When was your birthday? Next Saturday. Fighting. Yeah. Fish. And I was born the year of the horse. No. Oh, yeah. Geez. Yeah. Well, happy birthday for next Saturday. Thanks. 26 again. <laughs> Well, I've worked out that I am now 31. Oh. You hit 40 and you go backwards, babe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Benjamin Button. Oh, oh, it's a bit creepy sounding making it sound like that. <laughs> wasn't quite what I was thinking, but maybe I'll just get back to 21. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll count down to 21 and then I'll stop and then I'll be 21 forever. I quite like my 40s though. I think 20s, I'm trying to prove myself. 30s, mm-hmm. I got a lot of shit wrong mm-hmm. and a lot of real messed up lots of things, just stuff that I just, I never felt like I got into a rhythm. I'm yep. in a rhythm now. I'm in a rhythm. I have money. I can do stuff if I want to do it I'll do it uh, I think yeah 40s think, are awesome yeah I think 40s are really good I've only got this year <gasps> god you don't look it I'm old you're old <laughs> <laughs> I've got a few more years yet yeah you've got a few more a few more yeah on that note <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you. It's been awesome. Absolutely awesome. That's what everyone says. (laughs) Like plucking all the things out. And the questions are really good, actually. I like all those cool questions. That makes you think that you're not, I never was prepped for them. So I didn't know what you were going to ask me. So they're actually quite good because you think, hmm, okay. Yeah. But, you know, I haven't changed them for the last year and a half. (laughs) But you don't, when you listen to the, your podcast, so you don't, you just, it goes with, you just go with the flow of it. So it's just like, yeah, they're good. They're really good. Thank you. Well, yeah. it's been wonderful. 
I'm so Thank glad you, you could make time to speak to me finally. <laughs> finally, I know. <laughs> no, it's been really good. I really appreciate it. Enjoyed it. So yeah. excellent. <laughs> oh, we'll catch up soon. Yeah, thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Elaine today. Stay tuned next week when I chat to Tracy Elasma from Intrax. Defining Boundaries with Peter Cox.